worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. The pandemic has dealt a terrible blow to many workers who've lost their jobs completely, been laid off, or had their hours and salaries cut. And it's forced millions of people to rethink their lives, their jobs, and their careers. And that's why we're excited to talk with our guest on this episode, Fawn Germer. Fawn is a four-time Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist and the best-selling author of several books, including the Oprah pick, hard-won wisdom. She's a sought-after speaker on leadership, and her latest book is called Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need. Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure. Your book couldn't have come out at a better time, and I'm wondering how it came about. Well, in terms of timing, my my friends tell me to stop writing books because my first one came out the day before 9-11. Oh, my I had, I had <laughs> one the in the Great Recession. And then they said, you know, please give me two years warning before you write another <laughs> one so I can get out. <laughs> but I was speaking at a major leadership conference. And at the end of it, senior executives from, let's just say some Fortune 10, Fortune 20 companies went to the lounge and started talking about what was happening to their careers now that they had hit their 50s. And they felt like they were being pushed aside. Some were expected to quickly be pushed out. One was forced to retire early. And I thought, wow, that's just like what my friends are telling me and my neighbors are telling me. So I thought, this is great. I'm going to do a book on age discrimination because this is terrible. These are amazing people who I respect. How could this happen? And Being a journalist like you, I decided I was going to dig deep with it. And I started interviewing CEOs, senior executives, consultants on the workplace, academics, uh, and tons and tons of professionals. I did about 300 interviews to find out what it was that would sustain a career from beginning to end. So the, the title of the book and the subhead make it sound like it's only if you're unemployed, but really a huge part of the book is how to keep your career alive if you are still in your job and you feel like you're being sidelined. And when I looked at this, it's not just people who are aging. It's people who've taken timeouts, like they've had babies or take care of a loved one or took time out to get a degree or travel the world and they have trouble getting back in. And the issue is that there, there's a lot of age discrimination, but it's the root of that that is far more significant because employers are making assumptions about people based on age because they think that we are a bunch of people who haven't kept up with technology. We don't know what's going on. We keep telling them what they did 20 years ago that worked or didn't work and didn't get current and relevant. And relevance is the most important word to your career. I 
I have someone I'm close to, and I was talking about the, the tech lag between people who make it and people who don't. And this is somebody who had taken an extended time out to be a stay-at-home mom. And I said, you've got to be up on technology. And she goes, oh, I am. I have a, a millennial for a son. Don't you think I know technology? And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. What's going on is that there has been such significant rapid change in the workplace that if you aren't up on what's going to drive success for the company five years down the road, you're not of any use to them. They don't care if you know what you're doing right now and you're the best person for the job today. It's what you're going to do next. So you have to constantly upskill and particularly with people who have been in a, a work environment for a long time, what do we know about their paychecks? You've been there a long time. You're making more than others in the room. So is a company going to love, treasure, and protect you if you're getting the highest salary in the room as opposed to somebody who's a fresh out of school hire who actually knows what's going to happen with artificial intelligence and robotics and big data and machine learning and, and will work for a half or a third the cost? So if you've just thought you're going to show up and do what you've always done and be a great employee, that that would be enough to get you from start to finish in your career. You're wrong. If you're at an advanced salary, you have to lead the change. How can you possibly do this, especially right now? And I know the book was written before all of this happened, but it seems like you could have learned everything about computers and phones and all this technology and really been ahead of the game. And then all of a sudden, all of this happens where you have to learn virtual meetings and you have to adapt really quickly. And somebody like me, who is a millennial, I didn't know any of this stuff, obviously, at the start of the pandemic, but I still think it was easier for me to pick up than it was for somebody my mom's age or something. How can you compete at that point, even if you're trying? Well, first of all, I did update it for what's going on right now. And a couple of things. I learned by having a book come out the day before 9-11, when they canceled my tour and it looked like all hope was gone. I learned that your greatest opportunity to succeed always occurs in moments when people are giving up and think there's no opportunity. So let's just say 70% of the people who are job hunting are going to have excruciating experiences and hit the wall, hit the wall, hit the wall. And 30% are going to blast through. You have to make your mind up that you're going to be in the 30% that makes it. And you have to make the decision, a very conscious decision, I'm going to win. Now, you can look at this and say the numbers say otherwise. And I am not any old Pollyanna, but I have learned something. If everyone else thinks there's no opportunity, there is no opportunity for them. So you don't surround yourself with naysayers and negative people. And then you realize where is the big opportunity right now? The biggest opportunity in my mind is in networking particularly if you're in one of the high hard to place groups that I was talking about, it's going to take someone else to get you through. You're not going to get much by applying at Indeed or Monster because the algorithms do, and they say it doesn't, but they do kick people out based on age, right? But a human being bringing you in is a whole lot more important. And so I, I have never done 
better networking than I have during the year of COVID. Do you know why? Why? Everybody's doing the same thing? Right. No, because we can Zoom so easily, right? We can get together easy and nobody's doing anything. Right. Right. (laughs) We all have time for it. And so, you know, I talked about those people at that leadership conference, right? When the whole bottom fell out of the world in March, I sent an email to about 15 really powerful, powerful leaders. And I said, um, and, and okay, they were all women. So this worked much better. I said, Hey, let's to get, get together for wine and zoom. And I gave the date and the time. I didn't even ask, when will it be convenient to you? Because <laughs> in a real time, there would never be a time when they could all get together at the same time. It would right. take years to schedule it. I gave them the date and the time and had 100% attendance. Wow. Because nobody's doing anything (laughs) and they want something to keep them busy. So if you are looking for a job, use that to your advantage. People are a little tired of Zoom and I am too. I'm sick of seeing people all the time. You know, they also, people are also bored. And so shoot emails through LinkedIn. You, You strategize who are the people you need to reach. And you don't write a transparent, gushy, self-serving email as of introduction. Just be real earnest. Hey, I'm really interested in your company. I know you probably don't have anything, but would you be willing to do a 15-minute coffee and Zoom with me so that I can find out a little what you would advise someone wanting to break into your company? And I tell you something. I learned this a long time ago. Most people, when you request something the right way, will say yes. And when somebody says no, there's always someone better who will then say yes. It's been very (laughs) rare that that I haven't gotten it. So the network is the most important thing that will happen in a time like this. The other thing is companies are desperate for strong vision right now, and they need good leaders. So at, at that moment, you have to advertise yourself as the face of the future who has something to offer that others don't. While you're there sitting at home on your butt, you have to upskill. It is not enough to think you're current. You have to be current. And that means every day you scan the summary of what's in the Wall Street Journal for the day. And if something looks important, you read the article. And if it looks like it's interesting, read the article, but otherwise just reading those summaries keeps you kind of current of what's going on. You do it for the Harvard Business Review, for Inc., Fast Company, Wired, you get a sense of what's going on out there. And then you go to places like, I think they pronounce that Coursera and edX.org and start taking classes in things like, well, I took one in innovation from MIT. Now, doesn't that make me sound really smart? I'm impressed. Right. I am. <laughs> I'm sure it was free. Okay, right? They're free. And they have classes from Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, Berkeley, everywhere, right? With great professors. And here's the best part. That time I took the first class, it was a leadership class. And I was really trying to focus so I could get a good grade on the test. And then it occurred to me, hey, I have my degrees. (laughs) B, I don't need the credit. C, nobody's ever going to know if I pass or fail this thing. All I need is the information and the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So 
takes the pressure off. You go, it takes about 20 hours on most of these classes. And then suddenly you have had the voice of currency make you current for free. So take something on artificial intelligence. And, and sometimes this stuff seems so confusing because if you're behind on technology, you assume you will never catch up. That is not true. And it is not as hard as you think. We're glad you're part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners, and we have a special offer for you from our sponsor, Ritual, who you may have heard us talk about before. We've been big fans of Ritual's essential multivitamins and essential protein products for many reasons. We really appreciate that with Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you know the what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient. And we're excited to tell you about another great product from Ritual, Symbiotic Plus. It's my daily three-in-one clinically studied prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic designed to help support a balanced gut microbiome. With Ritual's Symbiotic Plus, I get two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional digestive discomforts like bloating, gas, and diarrhea. Why include a postbiotic? It provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining and supports a healthy gut barrier. Symbiotic Plus comes in a delayed release capsule that's designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon, an ideal place for probiotics to grow and thrive. Symbiotic Plus comes in an all-in-one single nested minty capsule. There's no refrigeration needed, so it's easy to take with you when you travel. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. It's time to listen to your gut. Ritual is offering our Nobody Told Me listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash NTM to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. All you have to do is visit ritual.com slash NTM to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Visit ritual.com slash NTM to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. There's something called blockchain. If I asked you to explain it quickly to me, could either of you do it? No. Nope. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I, so I when I when something's confusing to me, I always look for an explanation on YouTube first because that's the quick and dirty way to do it. I'll find somebody and I'll say, ooh, there's a five-minute video. So explain that to me. Well, the five-minute videos completely confused me. The 10 minutes, I, I was lost. I could not understand blockchain. And it's the same science that drives Bitcoin. And it's very important in certain supply chain and different business applications. But it's a big deal. And I couldn't understand it until the day I saw a video on YouTube that said, how to teach blockchain to a five-year-old child. Oh, oh wow. Okay, wow. there you go. And I thought, well, that's got my name written all over it. <laughs> so I watched it, and then I got it. And then I could watch a couple more videos on it, 10-minute video, a 20-minute video. And then I knew enough so that I could converse and know what it was. I didn't need to be programming blockchain. I just need to know what it was. Mm -hmm. So we intimidate ourselves and say it's too late. And I've got, this is not a short story, but it's, it's pretty significant because way back when I was a reporter in Denver in the 1990s, there was something that was happening. And our bosses got these machines and said, 
we're all going to be using the information superhighway. And they kept talking about the information superhighway and kept making the biggest deal about it. And the day the information superhighway machines came to the newsroom, I was on vacation and I missed the training. So I came back and for three weeks, I, I said, is there going to be another training? No. And I would watch the other reporters going up to the machines to use the information superhighway, which of course was the internet, right? Uh And I was like, I don't know how to use the information superhighway and my career is over and I'm never going to understand it. I am so screwed, right? And so my, the person who sat across from me came back from using the information superhighway and I said, Karen, I don't know how to use the information superhighway. She goes, oh, well, come here. So she drags me across the newsroom and sits me in a chair. And she goes, what are you working on? I said, a package on casino gambling. So she types casino gambling, Colorado. Hits click. And all these articles come up. And then she clicks an article. I said, oh, wow. And she goes, now you know how to use the information superhighway. (laughs) So here was this thing that in my head was so big and unattainable. And it was nothing. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're behind, you're behind. And if you think you're caught up, you're still probably behind. So get current, take these classes, and then you have to brand yourself with it, not just on your resume, but when you have conversations with people, you mentioned, oh, you know, I was reading about flying cars the other day, and they know that you are not stuck in the past. You're not a has-been. So you bring that up, you forward articles, and then you paint yourself with relevance, and then you get hired. And honestly, I believe you can get a job when the time is horrible. It's harder. And you have to have the fortitude within yourself to understand the person who wins is the one who keeps taking the next step. So I have bad feet, right? I I walk long distances on the beach, 10 miles, 13 miles on the beach. And by about mile seven, my feet hurt. And then by mile nine, I want to die, but I still have four more miles to get to my car. So I have to keep going. And I learned a long time ago that if I put my left foot in front of me and then the right, then the left, (laughs) then the right, I got where I needed to go. And sooner or later I would get there. And that's what job hunting is all about. You just take the next step, have a list of things you can do. And some of these are things you do all the time. It'd be like spend an hour reaching out, networking on LinkedIn. You have a list, so you always have something to do to move yourself forward towards your goal. And I promise you, if you always have something left to do and you keep doing it, you will get where you need to go. Now, people look at you as a tremendous success in terms of being an author, and yet it didn't come easily to you at all. Tell us about the journey that you went on to get that first book published. Okay, and I, I want to start that with a caveat too, because sometimes people read my profile and they're like, oh, wow, look what you've done. My career is like every other person's career. It has ups and downs. Even when I think I've gotten past all the adversity, still something happens to kick you down and say, how bad do you really want this? Right. So don't assume that my career has been this rocket ship to the top since I, I broke through. No, you have to always fight. Now, I used to be a reporter. I worked for what I call this massive boss hole who (laughs) did not like 
strong women very much. And he really tried to get in my way and I had to fight back. And at some point I, I realized he was the problem, not me. So I took a position as an editor in Tampa and I went into management. And, and now, you know, cause you're journalists, a strong investigative reporter goes into management. We're just to win friends and influence people. And I was a disaster. People were quitting to get away from me because I was impatient, heart charging, get it done now. And I needed a book to tell me how, as a strong woman, to survive in a male-dominated environment. And I went to Borders. And Borders was this thing that was known as a bookstore where people would go (laughs) in and they would buy books. But I went to Borders and I went to find a book on how to be a strong woman in a male-dominated environment. There was nothing And the friend who was with me said, well, why don't you write it? I said, I'm so sick of people writing things they don't know anything about. But I started to think about it. And I was a journalist. And I could get to people who knew the answers. And nobody had gone to the greatest women trailblazers to say, what did you learn the hard way that would help us? So quickly, I got a very impressive list of great women who told me their stories. And these these are many of them very famous. And I knew that I would have this, you know, bidding war on my book and it'd be this monster bestseller. And they all said that the way to really get to your success is you have to take a risk and bet on yourself. And I literally quit my job to write the book. And then it was rejected by every major publisher in the United States. So there I am, a starving author, with an idea that I thought was great, but I can't, I can't get it placed and I'm failing. And I remember one time I live in Florida and I was going over the Skyway Bridge and I wasn't thinking of jumping, no, but I did see a sign at the toll booth that said, help wanted. And I thought, oh, I wonder if they would hire me, right? I mean, it's like, that's what happens when you lose faith in yourself. And I know people who are out of work may lose faith in themselves. You can't do that. And a friend of mine said, if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? And that's when I learned you just keep taking the next step. So I had to figure out what the problem was with the book and it was formatting. I had given every person I interviewed a different chapter and I, you know, this uh, source of mine from the, my reporting days in Colorado, her son was an editor in Boston. I said, can you get him to read my proposal and tell me what the problem is? And you know, moms will always volunteer their son's time. (laughs) She did. And he said, the problem is format. If you want to sell this to a decent publisher, you have to integrate all the stuff you have into a thematic book. And so basically what you've done isn't going to work. And I thought, okay, great. Because I'm a a writer. How long does it take to, to take a bunch of that stuff and then figure it out and reformat it? So took two weeks to make the new proposal. And had enough, I did have my bidding war on my book, rewrote it quickly. And then it, again, it came out the day before 9-11 and I had to fight through that. And I wrote my 29 letters to Oprah. And because it was at 9-11, I am absolutely convinced my, that's why that book cut through because they were getting 4,000 books a month there. And when everyone came off the road because their tours were canceled, people gave up. And I just kept fighting and something got through. It was actually, it was a bestseller because before Oprah got it, because my friends all bought millions of copies. (laughs) And and then that 
got on her show and I exploited that endorsement like you wouldn't believe. And then I became a successful speaker. But again, you're never there. Just when you think you've arrived, there's another place you have to go. And that is part of the beauty of life is understanding that it's not your, don't judge yourself by what came easy. Judge yourself by what you did when things got hard. Mm-hmm. And so right now, this is a very hard time, emotionally, professionally, financially, physically. And you have to look at what you're doing in this moment to see how you can be your true best self. Because you could have been one of those people saying, I can't wait for 2020 to end. Or you could say, okay, this is what we've got. What can I do to make the most of it? Because imagine me, a professional speaker. I make my money at big conventions and conferences. How many do you think there were after March? Right, right, right. right. Zero. Yeah. So my business collapsed. And, but I knew I had this book coming and I was going to rewrite it and configure it. I knew that was there and I've been through promoting a book in a tough time. So I thought that's going to be great. But it was thinking, I'm not going to waste a year of my life or months of my life or even a day of my life because of adversity. Right now, I am not bottoming out and I'm healthy. So let me tell you something. The kayaking was fabulous in 2020. (laughs) And I, I had a lot of adventure right in my home county in Florida because, you know, I'm somebody who travels and goes, goes, goes. And I fell in love with where I live Mm -hmm. and I swam laps every day and I lost a bunch of weight and I, I had a great 2020. And for those people who kept waiting for it to end, I kept saying, you don't know, 2021 could be worse. Uh And they kept thinking it wouldn't. And well, welcome to 2021. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Adversity didn't leave. Yeah. You know, there, there are problems we're dealing with now that I never imagined for our country, but Again, we have to keep that in check because whether we are employed and making a fortune and having a great time or unemployed and facing difficulties, there's always a way to put meaning and fulfillment in any day of your life, even if it means you're just walking outside to breathe fresh air and look at the sunset. Do not waste a day or a minute of your life because if you do that, it then makes it easier for you to deal with the adversity that's coming your way. At the end of each program, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that nobody told you? In your case, I want to know what it is about publishing a book and doing something really crazy at a very difficult time that you wish you'd known because maybe it would have saved you some grief and from some tough times. That I would win. And, you know, this is something that I think is more specific to women and, but some men too, a lot of women are uncomfortable saying the words, I want to win because they're scared. They won't. So they ask for their friends for help and everything. It's like, no, if you want to win, make up your mind and say, I want to win. And so particularly at nine 11, my tour got canceled I mean, really, I cut my first book the day before 9-11 and the local book borders canceled. Wait, no, no. 
My publisher wrote them and said, understandably, the authors decided not to tour at this time for safety concerns. And the PR person at Borders called me and she said, so you can't drive from North Tampa to South Tampa? <laughs> and, and I said, of course I can. They gave up. And she said to me, well, why are you giving up? And isn't that beautiful? It's like, oh. And she said, I know who you need at any Borders in the country. And I got out there and I said, I want to win. And I fought for my dream. And believe me, if you look at who I might have been, had my book been published easily, that first draft, maybe it would have been a mid-list book. And I would have ended up going back into a newsroom at a newspaper in an industry that was dying. But because it was rejected, and it was so painful to go through that, but because of that adversity, I was able to come out of that with lessons and strength and fortitude and fight for my dream in a way that turned it into a bestseller. And somewhere along the way, while I was waiting, a friend said, oh, you ought to be a professional speaker. And I said, you get paid for that? And I looked it up and you did. And boy, what a, what a great life. I've gone all over the world to empower people so that they don't work for boss holes, that they have better lives. And out of the darkest moments, you can find the greatest success. Mm -hmm. And Fawn, how can people find out more about you on social media and the internet or the information superhighway? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, my website is fawngermer.com. So that's F-A-W-N-G-E-R-M-E-R.com. And I've got a giveaway, which uh, I'll send you the link if that's okay, which has um, a download for how to rebuild your career during COVID and another one on just taking the next step. So we can do that. And I love hearing from people. I love hearing from people. So add me, I'm on Facebook and I'm, I'm everywhere with that stuff. So you can get the links for all of that on my website, but I love hearing from people and never give up people. Just take the next step. Such great advice, Vaughn. We thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I have enjoyed you two so much. Oh, and we the, we the same, feeling yeah. very empowered after everything. And I was oh. a big fan of your TED Talk on doing a reset from a couple of years ago. So I was really excited when this book oh, came about and we you. got the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. Our sincere thanks to Fawn Germer. Again, her latest book is called Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need. And again, her website is Fawn germer.com. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And you've been listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 